Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show Locked On Sports Minnesota. For those watching on YouTube, you see the shirt. It's a gopher football day yet again. Mike Grimm is going to join me in the Hanging Ron Johnson segment. But there's two more sleeps before gopher football, people. I am super excited. I got my suit ready. I got to get the shoes ready because it's gopher football Thursday. But we got to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Why? Because nobody knows what's going to happen next year with Kirk Cousins. Nobody's going to know or nobody knows about TJ Hawkinson. But what we do know is Justin Jefferson is the probably the reason for a lot of the things happening in Minnesota. And we're going to talk about how Justin Jefferson is going to make it the rest of these dominoes fall coming up next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Well, everybody know this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just visit fanduel.com backslash locked on to make every moment more. And remember, there was that gopher parlay out there, seven and a half, seven and a half wins. Bet the over, people. Trust me, I'm going to do it. When I get when I get a friend of mine going on to Iowa, I told him, go to the sportsbook, put eight wins on it for me over i'm betting the over in minnesota they're going to get eight wins at least i think eight and four nine and three i think that's the floor for the gophers but again i might be a little bit biased again i'm ron johnson this is the ron johnson show on locked on sports minnesota and today's show we like i said we're, we're gonna have mike Grimm join us in the hanger ron johnson segment voice of the gophers uh radio play-by-play guy you hear him on gopher basketball as well but he's the gopher football guy so we gotta talk to him and see what's going on with gopher football as we head into this game thursday versus the nebraska Cornhuskers. But as I bring my producer to the show, Sam Ekstrom, Justin Jefferson and the Minnesota Vikings are headed towards a, a, a career, a life-changing contract. Justin Jefferson is looking for big-time money. You look at the other receivers out there. Justin Jefferson is better than all of them. So how much money should Justin Jefferson get? Sam, I don't know if you have a number off the top of your head, but I want you to think about it as I talk. When you talk about Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson, what number should he get? Everybody Everybody, everybody has a, a thought about this. Here's some numbers or some people I'll throw out there to you. Tyreek Hill, he has a guaranteed $72 million. Devontae Adams has a guaranteed $65 million. Uh, Cooper Cup has a guaranteed 75. And when I go to Cooper Cup, this is why I say his total value is 80 million, guaranteed 75. But everybody was like, Cooper Cup was a that's a team friendly deal. So if we're looking for Justin Jefferson to start off as a team friendly deal, we're talking at least eighty million dollars guaranteed. That's a team friendly deal, eighty million. When your status of Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson's higher, of course. You can go down to Stephon Diggs, seventy guaranteed, ninety six overall. To give you the overall numbers of Tyreek and Devontae Adams, because the guarantee just means like if you get cut, if you get hurt, whatever. Here's what we guarantee you for the rest of your life: you'll be able to walk away with seventy two million dollars. Tyreek Hill, congratulations. You made it, but he has a $120 million contract. I don't know if he'll see that. Devontae Adams has a $140 million, uh, million contract. I don't know if he'll see that. 
But the average contract, 30 year, a year is the top right now. 30 a year for Tyreek Hill. Sam, <laughs> I don't know if the Minnesota Vikings want to just sign a lifetime deal with Justin Jefferson and say, look, we'll sign you for the next 10 years. That takes him, what, 20, 35 years old? We want to sign for 10 years, $300 million, $30 million a year. That's a ridiculous amount. So how could they do that? Maybe you take it down. Let's call it 25 a year, which is A.J. Brown. But we still want to give you like a 20, a 10-year deal. $250 million for 10 years. $250 million for 10 years. Helps us out as a team. One, because the values are going to change, blah, blah. With a guarantee of $100 million. You look at the 72, the 65, the 75, the 70 of some of the top guys. Justin Jefferson probably wants a guaranteed $100 million. Now, if he does find a way, if, if Rob Brzezinski somehow finds a way to do this, I think that's going to help out TJ Hawkinson. I think that's going to help out Kirk Cousins. I think that's going to help out all these Minnesota Vikings that are currently on the uh, cusp of signing their deals. They probably can't sign these guys because they're like, look, let us figure out Justin Jefferson first, which that's the rumor that's now out. Maybe that was the part of this whole thing. Hey, we got to figure out Jettas first. Once we figure out Jettas, then we can get the rest of you guys taken care of. Once Jets is done, then you're done. Jefferson's done, then you're done. So that could be the reason for the star. And if they say they want to get Justin mm -hmm. Jefferson done before week one, they got two weeks. That means they're going to probably get, then get TJ Hawkinson done right after. That's why I say Justin Jefferson's contract is going to be the domino that gets the rest of this stuff rolling. But I don't know, Sam, is there a number out there? And what are your thoughts on that, on Justin Jefferson being the domino? There's a lot to consider here. I do agree with you that there is some domino effect there because you got to figure out if anything's going to hit the cap this year. I would guess not. I would guess it's all pushed into future years um, and what it looks like for next year. So, yeah, I think there is some some domino effect there. Uh, is it front-loaded or back-loaded? How, how are you going to sort out the money? I've had it floated to me that Justin Jefferson might actually prefer, and this is more speculation, this isn't a sourced report, Mm -hmm. But it might make sense for Justin Jefferson to want a shorter deal because if he does three years, then he can hit free agency again or he can get that next contract when the cap is even higher True. and he can cash in again when maybe wide receivers in three years are making $35 million a year, closer True. to $40 million a year because that True. cap is going up and up and up. A lot, like It'd be interesting to see if Kwesi tries the long, long-term deal because then you can spread the money out more. You can be Correct. more creative with with the financials. Correct. Short term deal, it's hard to to you know sort that money around. But Quasi also has never given out a long term deal. He only likes the short term deals. So how is he going to sort this out? I'm so curious to find out whether it's going to be the ten year variety or the three year variety or somewhere in between. But if it's let's say it's just the stock like four year contract or five year contract, mm -hmm. I think he go he sets the record. For average value per year, probably 31. 32, yeah, probably 31, over 32. over the 30 million mark. Mm -hmm. And guaranteed, I would think 80. You said it. I think 80 would be the guarantee, maybe even more than that. But I think he sets all the records for average annual and guaranteed money. I'd say you you kind of hit the nail on the head right that there. I didn't think about that. Short-term deal actually makes sense. If it is a $30 million deal, let's call it 30, but it's 90 guaranteed, you know, so like 30 for three or 30 for four years, even so 120 million. So he has Tyreek's deal, 120, but not Tyreek's terms. Tyreek Hill is not a, a free agent until 2027. 
So Tyreek Hill has a couple more years left on this deal to get to 2027 unrestricted free agent. And I think you're right. When you look at the unrestricted free agents right now, and whether it's good or bad, I don't know if these guys are going to sign extensions to not be unrestricted free agents at this time. But And then maybe there's something that we don't know about in 2027. But Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and A.J. Brown all because 2027 for A.J. Brown with the Eagles, he voided his 2027 year. It has a, It's a void year. He can void out and get out of it and re-sign the deal. All those guys, all of them, every single one, is an unrestricted free agent in 2027. So if I'm Justin Jefferson, you're right, Sam, 2023, 24, 25. Maybe Justin wants to hit the market in 26 before the rest of these guys hit the market. Not to say these guys are going to change Jefferson's market, but maybe you're right. Maybe 26 he wants to hit the market. He takes a 31-a-year deal, $90 million fully guaranteed contract. It's it's higher total guarantee than any other receiver right now because right now the top total guarantee is $75 million of Cooper Cup. 72 of Tyreek Hill. So if you think about that, a $90 million total, or even an $80 million total guarantee, Justin Jefferson would have that. So it could be, yeah, it could be like a 31, 31, 31 with a total fully guarantee of uh, 75. That could be his deal with like a, maybe the first year is all bonus. Like maybe it's even a 30 or $40 million signing bonus with like that Tom Brady type of year. He's only going to get like a million dollars for the season, which then they can defer that signing bonus to the next year. So maybe he gets a huge bonus this year, frees up some space, defer it, to, you know, defer the signing bonus over whatever, and then they can sign TJ Hawkinson. But yeah, Justin Jefferson, the rumor is right now that he is on the precipice of signing a life-changing deal and the upwards, it has to be more than 80 million. That's going to be my guess. It has to be more than 80 million dollars when you think about 75 of Cooper Cup, 72 of Tariq Hill. You don't make those comments without it. But he's done a great job of not opening his mouth. He's done a great job of not asking for stuff. He's been done a great job of showing up to everything they asked him to show up for, coming to every practice, being out there, being a team first guy, gelling with Kirk Cousins to get ready for the season. He's he's shown them everything that they need to see, probably to say, like, we because think about this, Rob Brzezinski. The Wilfs, they've given a lot of money to a receiver and it's bit them in the ass. Think about it. Yep. So that has to be in the back of their mind. Like, if we give Justin Jefferson his money, is he going to turn into Stefan Diggs and, and hold us hostage and, 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 and force us to do things with our quarterback when we don't even know what we want to do with our quarterback? That's what I think there. But I think Justin Jefferson showed them high character. He has the ability to do it. And not to say Stefan Diggs hasn't grown because he said it. I've grown. Um, you know, I, I made mistakes when I was with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, I should have handled it a different way, you know, because you talk about the sickness going home, coming back, forcing a trade. You know, I want to be traded. Um, there's a lot of things Stefan Dick said he could have done better. And so he did grow from that. He was young. But I think money, they can say, is the root of all evil. And that's what I think they were probably wondering, like, where do, what is this Justin Jefferson? Because he's been quiet. But clearly he's showing, like, I'm, I'm, this is me. I'm not changing. Well, Sam, now it's time to jump into the Hanging Ron Johnson segment with Mike Grimm. But before we do that, we have a word from our sponsors. Let me tell you about the great new promotion that FanDuel has. The FanDuel Sportsbook, great partner of ours at Locked On and America's number one sportsbook. NFL season is here. All you have to do is spend $5, and this is what happens. You get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed if you're a new customer. Five bucks down, get 200 and that's not all. Those five bucks also earn you $100 off NFL Sunday ticket 
from YouTube and YouTube TV. That is all customers. All customers can get $5 uh, spent and they get 100 bucks off the new NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube TV. So now is the best time to join FanDuel. Easy to use app. Bet on everything football. FanDuel.com slash locked on. The website to visit for more info and to get started. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with these offers that you don't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Well, now it's time for the Hanging Ron Johnson segment, and I got no one other than voice of the Gopher football team. Week one, it's no longer week zero, people. It's week one, Gophers, Nebraska, this Thursday. Night kickoff. I will be on Gophers game day live with Guardsy every whenever he can show up. We know he has 17 jobs. But Guardsy, Pierre Nugent, we're going to have some guests stop by. Matt Spafe will be in town. Uh, looking forward to all the Gophers. But I have to start the week off. We started with Matt Spafe. Now I got to go to Mike Grimm because he's seen it all. He's done it all. He's been there. Mike Grimm, thanks for joining me on the Hanging Around Johnson show. I'm oh, sorry, the Ron Johnson show, the Hanging Around Johnson segment. Uh, but Mike, last time you were on, uh, we talked about win a pie for it. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of, you know, announcers, color commentary guys. I've done some stuff with Andy LaPanta, you know, LaPanta. And uh, we've done some college football games out in the Mountain West or whatever their conference is called now with Nevada and San Diego State and so on and so forth. And the one thing I always remember is like, don't end up that guy. Like, I love the Nevada fans that were tweeting to me during my broadcast because I was guessing uh the plays it's a guess but i was looking at the formation i was like oh it's going to be a fade route to the tight end i could see it after the motion and fans are tweeting like oh man he's like tony romo this guy's good like we got to get him next year by the way let me know fox i'll be out there next year if you need me again um but mike i've, I've heard a lot of people now on twitter because social media now can blow this up and i've seen a lot of people on twitter like say some stuff or announcers say stuff uh it just gets weird other than win a pie for it have you and Daryl ever got weird or has it ever been a ch time where like your family might have said like, Mike, I can't believe you said that. Um, not on purpose. Um, you know, there, 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 there might be times where you say something and um, I have, and Daryl too, you know, and Spencer on basketball, we, you know, we have these fifth grade mentalities. So you might say something innocently, but then if you think of it in a more, risque or perverse manner um and you know when you have the mentality of a fifth grader you might laugh a little bit and say who uh, you know we'll, we'll look at each other and go uh oh uh hopefully no one thought that's what we meant um the one time that we actually actually guards and i were just re uh, hashing this uh memory uh earlier this week um we were at northwestern so there wasn't anything you know, risque or profane about this, but it's the one time that Daryl and I got the giggles on the air and we couldn't, we couldn't talk because we were laughing. Um, it was uh, year one PJ Fleck, you know, that stretch of games where they couldn't score. Um, it was really bad football, a lot of inside zone, just move on and, and get to next week. And it was at Northwestern, the Gophers lost that game 39, nothing. Mm -hmm. And Northwestern was putting in the subs. And so they had, um, a left-footed kicker come onto the field, right? And I could because of he, because he was left-footed in the position of the press box, I couldn't see his number. So I don't on my board. I just list the starting kicker. You don't list a backup kicker. So now I and even if I had listed the backup kicker, um, I didn't know for sure if this was him because I couldn't read the number based on how he was kind of uh, tilted because he was left-footed and all this stuff. So I don't know why I said it, and I don't 
I think people watching will say, well, that doesn't seem to be that funny. Why did you guys start laughing? Um, <laughs> this was a, he was a big man. Like he was, he had to be close to 300 pounds for this backup kicker. And he's out there. And I just said, um, it's 38, nothing now. And on to attempt the extra point for Northwestern, a rather large man. And that I didn't know his name. We didn't know his number. And I just said a rather large man. And Daryl started to laugh a little bit. <laughs> And then Dan Robotham, our engineer, started to laugh a little bit. And then I got laughing a little bit. And there's nothing on the air now. Um, and you can kind of hear us in the background, you know, giggling a little bit, but not a lot. And so there's dead air. And all you hear is the PA announcer in the background going, the kick is good, Northwestern 39, Minnesota nothing. And so we're still laughing. And we, I have to, we have to get to a commercial break after the touchdown because I said a rather large man. And um, – and so Daryl finally composes himself enough, you know, being the professional to the group, and he sees that the kicker was number 99. So he looks at the program, and he says, that kicker, the guy who made the kick, and he says the name. But I'm looking, and they have two 99s. One's a kicker and one's a defensive tackle, and Daryl read the defensive tackle's name. So even then we didn't get it right. So then I started laughing again, and we I barely get it to break. I finally am like, this is go for football from Learfield while we're laughing. And then we hit the commercial, and we're all just like we're – and, you know, at that point we're all kind of delirious because the Gophers are losing bad. It's a terrible game. It's horrible weather as it always is when we play at Northwestern. Yeah. And for some reason I just called the guy a rather large man, and for whatever reason it hit our funny bone. So I don't think there was anything – you know, uh, uh, offensive about it. Although, you know, if you're a large man, you might be offended that I called you that. Um, but that was, that was the one time where, um, you know, and that, 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 uh, Gargi had the audio of it and he was, he was texting that to some buddies and I'm like, we don't need that to get, get out, <laughs> go viral. So let's keep that in house here. But anyway, that would, that would be one, I guess, if you want a, a specific example. Yeah. You, you never, you never really know what you're going to get sometimes, uh, with a, with a, with a game. I mean, let's be honest. Well, this is a new football season for Gopher football. As far as we we're we're heading towards uncharted territory. There's never been a game in the last six years that Tanner Morgan wasn't by PJ Flex side, getting off that bus for the Gopher walk, warming up, you know, giving the team a talk, you know, throwing a pass, taking a snap from center. Ethan Kelly, man, this is now the official quarterback. There's no more Tanner Morgan. Mike, what what have you seen from him so far? What are you expecting from him? And justice for because we're not going to talk about the season. I'm going to treat it like PJ. We're this is a Nebraska championship season. What do you expect from Ethan Kelly Manis? Well, I I think one he's got to be entering this game with a high level of confidence. One he he comes across as a kid who, who who's confident. Like I think he feels good about his skills, and he should. You've seen him. I mean, this guy's got a gun uh, on his right arm. He can run. I mean, he was a high school hurdler and a sprinter, so he's got some speed. I think we'll see that a little bit. Um, over the course of the season that he's going to be able to break contain and avoid sacks and and do some of that stuff with his legs but his his god's gift is the arm and i mean it is an arm that if everything goes well and he progresses and he learns and he learns how to hit guys on time on target and read film and and read plays that i mean his arm's good enough that he could if all goes right and he hits his ceiling he could be an nfl quarterback he really could so that said it's a you know there's a long ways from being uh, playing in your seventh college game on opening night of your you know second full season to 
being in the NFL. So what do you see in between there? I think his confidence level is high be, uh, for a number of reasons. One, he's as I mentioned, he's confident. But two, remember last year at Nebraska, the Gophers were down 10 nothing at halftime or 14 nothing. I forget now. I think it was 10-zip, um, and they had uh, given up points on the first two drives. Tanner Morgan gets hurt on the final play of the first half, and Calic Manis comes in, and the whole team looks different. He just, he's got him going. He scored 20 straight points, and they go in and win that game. So against that team, he had success. So one, he's got to feel pretty good about that. Obviously, there's new coaches, new coordinators, a new scheme. It's a 3-3-5. There's different things. But I, I'm, I'm a believer in if you have success against someone, you feel good about that, you can repeat that success. And then too late in the year, he was good. I mean, he was freshman of the week in the Big Ten. Uh, in that win at at Wisconsin, you know Wisconsin was a top ten defense last year. Uh, that was their saving grace because offense they couldn't do much. The Badgers and he went in and threw for three hundred nineteen yards and had the game winning touchdown with under five minutes to go and was freshman of the week in the Big Ten and also started the bowl game at Yankee Stadium hot before he got injured in that game. So I think he's I think he the beauty of it is for him. I think he's got to feel confident and good about himself going into this game on Thursday. Yeah, and PJ Fleck talked about because of course we were, you know, the PJ Fleck show uh every Tuesday, Wednesday on uh Fox 9. You could check PJ Fleck out. And PJ Fleck joined us at the State Fair and he talked highly of Darius Green. Everybody's talking about Tyler Newbin, but it was time to find another safety because of the exit of Howden. Uh you also had um Terrell Smith hit the NFL. And Darius Green is a guy that he said has caught everybody's eye during camp and will be uh, starting opposite Tyler Newbin. What have you seen or looking forward to with Darius Green? Well, and remember, Green also had a nice kind of what I would call a breakout game at Wisconsin. Remember, Newbin, uh, was it a hand injury, I think, in the Iowa game yeah. the week before, did not play in that game or the bowl game. So Darius Green was was able to um, you know to do some things. In fact, they shuffled around. If you remember in that Wisconsin game, they had Beanie Bishop at at, uh, at a spot too, and uh, they had to shuffle Darius Green around because they felt so strongly about how good he was playing. They put him into the spots where there was going to be bigger tests, and and he played in the uh, in the uh, bowl game, had a big fourth down stop late in that game. If you remember, mm-hmm. um, on a little swing pass, it ended up being a two yard loss. If he doesn't make that tackle, who knows where that game goes? Gophers got the ball back, and pretty much that was the game. So. Um, I think they love him. I think uh, he's got high upside. Um, there'll probably be some growing pains. Look, he's a guy who probably was going to be a starter last year. That you know, and then because of COVID and extra years and all that, Jordan Howden, you know, got to come back for that fifth year. I mean, Jordan Howden played five, started five years. There, you know, there was no red shirt there, but the extra year. He got to, uh, you know, from due to COVID was last year. Darius Green was probably the guy that was going to start last year. So um, this isn't like just a greenhorn, you know, coming in. This is a guy that um, probably should have been playing last year, would have been playing last year if not for the COVID rules. And um, now he's finally going to get his chance. So he and he's kind of got that weird thing PJ's talked about. There's many guys on this team that kind of got that weird thing that they've been around, they know the culture, uh, they don't have a lot of playing experience, but they have experience if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. there's a bunch of those guys now. I think the COVID thing was part of it, right? I mean, even Cali McManus, going back to him, he's a third year player, right? This, this isn't like just a sophomore, he's been in the program for, for three years and, um, you know, has been around the block. And Darius Green falls in that same category. Yeah, it's amazing when you look at this roster and see the years in college, years at Minnesota, and years left. It is yeah. one of the most perplexing things I've ever seen in my life. Like you said, Darius Green is going to be a new name this year, 
but he's been here for three years and has three years left. Like he's in that COVID, like, Hey, I redshirted. I've been here. My other year doesn't count. And now as a redshirt sophomore is my third year. I've been here for three years. My fourth year, I have three years left. I have a fourth, a fifth and a sixth year. You look at Chris Hoffman Bell, this is year seven. Year seven. When you, when you talk about the other receivers, and of course, practice offseason, it's because Chris Hoffman Bell was, wasn't healthy. He didn't get to do spring game stuff. Um, is there a chance, and, and, a, and a small chance, is there a chance that Corey Crooms, Lamecki Brockington, Daniel Jackson, uh, and Elijah Spencer kind of leapfrog Chris Hoffman Bell um, due to health concerns, maybe, or due to just he's had, they've had more work with Ethan Caligmanis' offseason? I don't think so. I think I think Altman Bell is still going to be a prime target and and play a lot. I mean, um, I, I I also think this. He, you know, he, it, it, the good news is that receiver room has been upgraded in such a way from last year, where it was, right. you know, there were some struggles. Let's face it, last year. No knock on anybody that was involved with that, but it just was. Um, I think they've upgraded that level. That I think it's nice that Altman Bell. Can you know? I don't want to say he's gonna just kind of slither in or just kind of you know uh, take it slow, but if that does turn out to be the case, uh, they can they can take that. He doesn't have to be a star Thursday night. Now, look, if he goes and catches nine balls and a couple touchdowns, beautiful. But if he doesn't, there's talent there where guys and you throw Span Ford in there as a pass catcher as well, and I think we'll see some formations where he'll, he'll even line up you know wide. Uh, we saw that some last year. I think we'll see more of it. Um, so so I think Altman Bell's in a good spot he's probably not yet at 100 percent. he's still not quite a year remember um he's, he's right at 11 a little under 12 months between 11 and 12 months he hurt that in week three last year and you know more than i but it seems like a year usually to really feel good and comfortable and he was just yeah. cleared to do everything just a few weeks ago that said i talked with caliak manis on thursday of last week and he just raved about um the the be, you know, they're both kind of Chicago area guys and just raved about the relationship that they've built, even though they've never played in a game together due to the injury to, to Altman Bell. And I think we can't forget, and you as a receiver, I think really appreciate what Altman Bell does with 50-50 balls. Um, I mean, it's as good as we've seen at Minnesota in a while, you know, and I think, yeah. the, you know, Morgan... Um, now Jackson had a couple nice 50, 50 ball catches late last year. Brockington had a couple 50, 50 ball catches where, you know, a quarterback just feels comfort, but Tanner Morgan, um, you know, think about the number of touchdowns. I think Altman Bell is in double digit career touchdowns. How many of those were those? I'm just going to throw it up to his back shoulder and let him go fight. And I think Callie McManus is a young quarterback is going to say, that's going to be part of my safety valve. That's going to be part of my comfort level. Uh, you know, a, a little security blanket that if I'm in, if I have a problem, I'm not sure what to do. The pass rush is coming. It's third and eight. I got to get rid of it. I'm just going to throw it up to number three at uh, number seven. I guess he started as number three. He's number seven now. Last few years, throw it up to number seven and see if he can make a play downfield. Uh I mean, when you say just throw it up to number three, I, I had a flashback to college. I thought you were yeah, talking about me. Well, so, yeah. yeah, well, I would look if you were still there. There's no doubt that that would be the number one option, no doubt. But Altman Bell started as number three, and that's where I got thrown off. He's been number seven now for some years. But yeah, if you were on the field, there's no question that Ethan would <laughs> would, would find a number three. Well, this game is going to have Gus Johnson, Joe Clatt, Jenny Taft. Looking forward to running to Jenny Taft. I love her. Uh, she's a Minnesotan, so yes. I know she's happy to be back in Minnesota to do this game. She'll be here tomorrow. I know they'll be interviewing PJ. They'll also be interviewing Matt Rule.
This is the new, um, what do you want to call it? The new corn huskers before they were supposed to be the black shirts were going to come back with uh, what's his name? Scott Frost. Um, I miss Scott Frost. Every chance I get a chance to say that, I want to make sure people know I miss Scott Frost. Scott Frost was the best thing that ever happened to Minnesota football. He made the Gophers program look great. Uh, so we're going to miss Scott Frost. We wish him well. But now it's time for Matt Rule. What have you heard about Matt Rule uh, before we get out of here? Well, I mean, all I know about him is his resume, and he's got a very impressive resume at the college level, especially, right, at Temple. He uh, built uh, – Temple has been an interesting stop for several coaches. They, many coaches have used that place as a as a stepping stone, and a, a lot in that Mid-American Conference, they were once in the Big East. But in that, in that MAC, you know this, um, coaches can build up a team. P.J. did it, build up Western Michigan, and then they got to kind of jump when the iron's hot. And so Matt Rule jumped when he had the chance to a situation that wasn't real attractive at the time in Baylor. Now, Baylor was just a few years removed from, you know, Robert Griffin III and Heisman trophies. And, um, you know, when we were young, Ron, Baylor was awful. They might have been the worst Power 5 team in the country. Uh, They they went years – well, that might be an exaggeration, but they they went years where they won one game in the Big 12, you know, or went winless in the Big 12 a number of years in a row. I think they – I think they have the longest losing streak, but uh, Art Bryles went there. He built them up, and then they had the scandal, and a lot of different uh, bad things happened. And so uh, I think Rule wisely said, look, uh, I'm not going to sit around in the Mac at Temple and and uh, wait out another job. He took it, and then he had success. You know, he had real good success there. Uh, so much so that the NFL came calling. He didn't have a great run in the NFL, and he was roundly criticized in in Charlotte um, by people who follow football there. I don't think that's an indictment on his coaching. I just think it maybe wasn't a fit. He didn't have a quarterback, and in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, it's going to be hard to win. Um, so I like the hire for Nebraska. Um, they're in a situation situation where they you know that they they've been a stagnated powerhouse program mm-hmm. um you're right for minnesota that's great i think um uh, i think matt rule though is probably gonna bring these guys back into one I'll, i think already um you can just tell by the way people talk about the program the, the respectability part is back um then the question then becomes how soon can they get the thing turned around on the field the, the big common thing Nebraska folks will tell you is they lost all those one possession games with Scott Frost and those hopefully with a, a new coach will will turn into wins and you know Jerry Kill used to talk about that that when you take over a program that struggled um, you lose a lot of close games and then eventually you win one and all of a sudden guys get confidence and you win another one and and, and so that's probably got to be the, the the track at it here for uh, for, for the Huskers. I will say in Minnesota's case, specific to the uh, one possession games, um, last year it was a one possession game and they kicked a field goal late to, to make it that. Um, and they were up big at halftime and Calic Manis came in. However, the previous two years, if you remember, um, they were both single digit wins for Minnesota. However, um, the, the game at Huntington Bank Stadium, uh, Martinez, the quarterback, scored a garbage touchdown late to make a, a, a uh, I think it was a 17-point game, a nine-point game maybe, or was it yeah. a 14-point game, a I can't eight-point game, something. It really wasn't a one-possession game. The Gophers pretty well controlled that. And then remember the year before, the Gophers had controlled that game in the COVID year, and Ibrahim's on his way into the end zone to make it a 14-point win, and he took a knee. Um, oh, yeah. 
percentage-wise you think that that's the play. And so the Gophers could have had, probably should have had back-to-back double-digit wins. None of that matters Thursday night. It really is going to come down to execution. You know, you've been around the program. The Gopher coaches are are a little nervous because they don't know what to expect from Nebraska. Right. New coaches, new coordinators, new schemes, 20-some new players. Um, and, and, and I think a guy that can coach. So that's a little scary. I know why they're tight and, uh, you know, wondering, you know, what to expect. And you, as a former player, know, uh, defensively, especially, they just got to, I think, kind of rely on their basics, right? The principles yeah. be in the right spot, see what they want to do and eventually adjust to it. And Rossi has shown, you know, propensity to really, uh, do some great adjustments as he did last year at Nebraska. Once they figured out what Nebraska was going to do with the backup quarterback, they basically were shut out for the last three quarters of that game, save one field goal. Yeah, I mean, there's no RG3, but we do know Matt Rule has a very uh, confusing offense sometimes. Like, he does a lot of stuff. He's gimmicky. He likes to – he has multiple sets. He has motions. He likes to run screens with receivers. So I I do understand that as well from a defense perspective. You have no idea what to expect with this team. Offensively, there's only so much a defense can do if you watch Brian Flores. We saw that recently, his seven at the line of scrimmage or his eight at the line of scrimmage. Um, as a quarterback, you just have to get used to Like I love the video of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but he's telling number 34 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He walks up to the line of scrimmage and he points him like, eh, you're not coming. Get out of here. I like that. So I love the fact that Aaron Rodgers knows the Bucs, which is kind of bad, though. But he knows the Bucks blitzes so well. He's like, yeah, you're not coming. If you come, there's nobody that's going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And he knew the coverage, so he understood this is a safety. That guy has to get back to, to, to the flat hook curl. If he doesn't, I'm going to kill you with the slant right behind your back. So he, I love that. So And again, Ethan's young. He hasn't had a ton of experience. But you know, I think that's going to be the toughest thing is how does he deal with the speed of this Nebraska defense? Because I have heard it's a lot better, a lot faster. Clearly, Matt Rule has set a precedent to be Nebraska football to get back to where they are because they're playing the Gophers on Thursday night. This is their first Thursday night game since 2010. But the Gophers do have a four-game winning streak against Nebraska. And then they had to play Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. They have beat them 50 times. So I think this is going to be another. He's going to have two tests back-to-back, and then he gets Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, nothing against them, not trying to hate, but nice little break before they have to play Michigan and then Illinois. But Colorado, Minnesota, Nebraska has a tough stretch, but being the 7 p.m. game, prime time on Thursday night, clearly they believe in what Matt Rule can do at Nebraska, but also that shows what P.J. Fleck can do at Minnesota, and they really like this head-to-head matchup. They're friends, so Matt Rule is very nice in his presser. Um, But, Mike, before we get out of here really quick, early thoughts on the game. Where do you think the Gophers stand, win, lose, close, blowout? Yeah, I I like the Gophers in this. I think that – I I think it's better – well, uh, as a non-coach, I think it's better to play this team, this Nebraska team now, uh, as they're trying to learn some stuff and still understand the system as opposed to later. Because I do think Rule can coach, and I think it's likely that this team will be better in October than they will be an opening night on the road, you know, uh, under the lights. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll be wrong there. I think the other thing is you mentioned Cali McManus against this new defense. Um, there is some uh, some similarity uh, the Defensive coordinator for Syracuse last year, if you remember, um, ran a 3-3-5. 
And he's now the defensive coordinator at Nebraska running the 3-3-5. So Ethan prepped for that bowl game, knowing what to expect from a 3-3-5, the same defensive coordinator. Now, he was hired away from Syracuse and did not actually coach in that bowl game. But you know who did? You know who was the defensive coordinator in that bowl game? Nick Monroe, who's now the Gophers' co-defensive coordinator. So I got to believe he's helping uh, the Gopher offensive coaches, hey, here are some tendencies. Here's what White, uh, the defensive coordinator, likes to do. I worked with him. This is how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what he wants to do against these looks. And so, even though they're uh, you know in the dark a little bit, they have to you know base some things on some knowledge and assume some things. And um, so, like I said, as a non-coach, I think it's better to catch him here. PJ said on his coach's show on the radio the other day that he would prefer to play them a month or two into the season, so they had some game film to know what to expect. But I. I think they're catching at the right time. I love the Big Ten opener. I, I think this is exciting. It's under the lights, as you mentioned, national TV, uh, a gold out. Uh, wear your gold, Ron. Make sure you wear your gold. And um, man, I'm I'm really excited. I, I I like the Gophers. I like the Gophers in this one to uh, hold serve at home to get the season off on the right note. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Mike Grimmel. And thank you for joining me on the Hanging Ron Johnson segment. Up next, we got the daily three. That's three questions. We're gonna take about thirty seconds each today because went a little long with Mike, but we had to. So we had to get this gopher intel coming up for the gophers nebraska corn huskers game thursday thursday night at 7 p.m we'll be back after this well sam i don't know about you but mike grim has me ready for nebraska football coming to town to play against the gophers but before we jump into this daily three i want everybody to know sirius xm is a proud partner with locked on sports minnesota and locked on you can download the sxm app yourself and if you want to catch the twins hometown broadcast they're going to host the cleveland guardians once again tonight at 6 40 p.m and they're trying to clinch the uh the, the al central it's it's pretty close they, they're almost there they're seven games ahead of the guardians and they're going to play them four more times if they can knock out with this short game span and get like all four maybe out of the five this Twins team might have a chance to really put a stranglehold on the AL Central, but you can catch every pitch of the hometown broadcast on the SXM app. Just search Twins. Well, Sam, now it's time for the Daily 3. Three questions. We're going to take about 30 seconds each. Take it away. Ron, the Cardinals are tanking. If you didn't believe it before, believe it now. They cut the guy we saw in joint practices, their alleged starter, Colt McCoy, and they're going to start the season with either Josh Dobbs, who they just brought in, or the rookie fifth-round pick, Clayton Toon. How many wins are the Cardinals going to have this year, Ron? Uh, actual wins that they're trying to win, none. Uh, wins that they're going to win by mistake because there's going to be some teams that just completely screw it up for them. I'm going to say three. I'm going to say they have a chance to get two to three. Uh, but I, I, I like the fact that the Cardinals, um, their ownership, quote unquote, was under investigation. I don't know if you remember that with the burner phone of their old GM that said, mm-hmm. you know, he tried to talk about them and then their owners came out um, saying that, you know, we didn't do this. There was no whatever. And then this guy has a burner phone. Leads me to believe this ownership is not above cheating just to get some wins. And so I feel like that might be the, the hey, Jonathan Gannon, your, your job is safe. We just want to go get Caleb Williams. Uh, I know there was there's rumors that Caleb Williams might stay in school because of NIL money. I think that's bogus. I don't care how much NIL you're getting. It's nothing like a $40 million contract from the NFL. And so we know Caleb Williams is going to come out. He probably will be the first pick to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, when you look at their schedule, though, I'm looking at it. I don't really see... Other than the Texans, November 19th, I don't see too many other teams that can screw up and lose to them because they do have a pretty decent schedule. The Bears could possibly mess up on December 24th. Um, The Falcons, I don't think they would do it because their run game is just too solid, but 
that's the number of losses Jonathan Gannon is prepared for. So I don't know. I, what do you think? Do you think they'll get one win, two, or do you think they'll go 0-17? And something tells me that Kyler Murray, because this is that's what could screw it up, is if Kyler comes back and and wins him some games. But I something tells me he's going to have a quote unquote setback, and he won't be playing for them this year. And yeah, you know what? He might him. not. He might not play for them ever again. Because yeah. if they're the top pick, they're taking Caleb Williams, and then Correct. I think it's it's trading Kyler Murray. I think that's the the saga next off season, the Kyler Murray sweepstakes. Um, yeah. Yes, I think that could be in the Cardinals' future. I wouldn't be uh, very comfortable if I was him right now. What you got next? Yeah, uh, you've talked to Fleck. You, we just talked to Mike Grimm. Let's carry on the Gophers conversation. Give me an X factor for Minnesota that you expect to emerge on Thursday night. Oh, X factor for the Gophers that I expect to emerge. Um, man, this is a tough one, but I'm going to go with a little bit of Ethan Kalig Manis and Brevin Spanford. I think Brevin Spanford is going to become a, a sizable 600, you know, sorry, 600, 67, 270 pound X factor. Uh, the teams are not going to be able to figure out how to deal with them. Uh, I'm very interested to see how the Gophers use him. I know his usage has gone up every year. Um, as we talked about the, the stats in order to be the best or not the best, but, you know, have a, have a, uh, what you want to call all American type of season. 40 receptions, 500 yards, five touchdowns. That's going to put him ahead of uh, uh, Matt Spath. But I'd say 55 and five. He needs 50 catches this year, 500 yards, and uh, five touchdowns. But I'm expecting him to maybe even do more than that. He wants to be one of the top draft picks. So I'm looking forward to Brevin Span four, but he's going to need Nathan Kellyman as, as kind of a 1A, 1B. Uh, but I'm looking forward to them Saturday. All right, last Thursday, one. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday night. Gus Johnson, you said on the call. That'll be exciting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, now, the the Vikings brought in, remember, Dalton Reisner for a visit, Kareem Hunt for a visit. Neither of them signed, and we are now 12 days before the season. So, Ron, mm -hmm. is it too late for the Vikings to still make those moves and bring in those players 12 days before the season as the ship sailed? No, not with veterans like this. I mean, but what I say is we hit to three o'clock. So we got to three o'clock today. So as this is airing, you know, it might be like right around this. It'll be before. Sorry, we're well before that. But three o'clock today, the Vikings have to cut down and get to 53. And then, then you start making offers for guys to join your practice squad. You hope the guys don't take better offers out there. When you think about guys like Thayer Thomas and some of these other receivers, they might get offers from other teams to, you know, possibly have a chance to really make the active roster eventually uh, compared to the Minnesota Vikings. If, if, if these receivers feel like they're done, uh, when you look at the offensive line, uh, there were already question marks. They traded Vidarian Lowe, so maybe they are trying to, f you know, find some space for a guy like Dalton Reisner, um, as well as Kareem Hunt. We're not too sold on Kane Wangwu, uh, so nobody really knows. We, everybody feels like Ty Chandler's the guy. Um, so is Kareem Hunt the next better option as far as a number two slash one A one B? Because Kareem Hunt would be right there with an Alexander Madison if you don't feel like you're going to get everything you need out of him. Or is this going to be a passing team and Kevin O'Connell pulled the wool over our eyes and CJ Ham's going to become like a blocking tight end slash fullback in the run game in the pass game he's going to be the blocker back there catching the swings and all that stuff but not running screens so i mean i don't know but i i don't feel like it's too late it's never too late in the nfl veterans can always pick up an offense and, and this is what the game is about picking up guys uh to make it work think about so many guys that have been traded uh right at the trade deadline or got traded right at the end of training camp and went to another team and had a great year that's what the nfl is about so it does. I think veterans, you'll be fine. I think what they're going to try to figure out is who are we cutting, who's on the waiver wire, because, again, the rest of tonight is going to be scouring the waiver wire as well 
also getting intel from GMs that are friends of yours. Like Quasi might be reaching out to the 49. Hey, who are y'all cutting? You know, are you cutting this guy? Are you cutting this guy? Because I'm kind of thinking about him. So GMs are also talking to each other as well before the rest of the NFL has to see it. Or sorry, the world has to see it. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's too late, though. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I think that both of those players might just not want to be on the Vikings because they're not instant starters. I don't know Maybe. if Reisner wants to be Ed Ingram's backup. I don't know if Hunt wants to be in a rotation. It's more likely for Hunt that Jonathan Taylor gets traded and he becomes the new indie running back. And yeah. he might like that, that avenue more than going to the Vikings. So again, it is a two-way street. Maybe the Vikings have had interest the whole time, and maybe those players just didn't want the role they were going to have in Minnesota. Maybe. that That's a good point there. I mean, you don't want to come in as a backup if you know you could be a starter somewhere else, and that's the name of the game. But I'm Ron Johnson. I say I'm actually want to thank you guys for joining us today on the Ron Johnson Show. For those watching on YouTube, thank you. Remember, if you want to watch us on YouTube, just go to YouTube. You can watch, but also please subscribe. You just need an email address to log in and then subscribe. It's free of charge. Please do it. Also, wherever you get your podcasts, you can get it. And then the SXM Radio app, free to most subscribers, but you can download the Locked On Sports Minnesota network on the XSSXM app. You can take us wherever you go. I want to thank you guys. Have a great day. 